right, John chapter 3, please. John chapter 3. Today I'd like to talk to you about the miraculous power of the new birth. The miraculous power of the new birth. John chapter 1, or John chapter 3, rather, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles. Everybody say miracles. No man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh this flesh. How many have been born of the flesh? Yep, we all qualify, right? That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He says, I'm talking to you about a spiritual birth. Verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be. Everybody say must be. You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell Whence it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master in Israel, and knowest not these things? This is kindergarten, Nicodemus. Verse 11, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak which we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man has ascended up into heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever, everybody say whosoever, that whosoever believeth in him, whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. That's everybody. Amen? Think of the worst criminal, the worst terrorist, the worst human being you can think of. God loves them. God wants them to be saved. The scripture said, he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants everyone to be born again. Amen. God so loved the world, he did something about it. He he did action. He sent his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The word perish there does not mean to cease from existence. It means utter destruction throughout eternity. It's to be lost and away from God throughout eternity. That is not God's will. God's will 
is for us to be saved. Can I have an amen today? Praise God. God so loved the world. But he said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus came and said to Jesus, you know, all these miracles you're doing, you must have come from God. And Jesus said, you must be born again. See, he said, you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles unless God be with him. So Nicodemus recognized that God was with Jesus, that Jesus was a teacher come from God, but he did not have a complete understanding because Jesus is more than a teacher, amen? Jesus is more than a miracle worker. Jesus is is the Son of God sent from God to this earth to redeem mankind. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He taught us right from wrong. He did many miracles. And then he went to a cross. And on that cross, he died for your sins and my sins. No matter how many sins you have or how bad they were, he died for them all. He was the substitute for our sins. There's a lot of pictures of that in the Old Testament, how they had uh, lambs and, and animals and so forth that were sacrificed for the sins of the people. Well, Jesus was the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world. The whole world. Your sins and my sins. Every one of our sins. He, he is the sin solution. Praise God. And we read there in the uh, 14th and 15th verse how when, when Nicodemus had said, how can these things be? Jesus tells a story about Moses in the wilderness and how the children of Israel had sinned against God. The Bible tells us that they murmured against God and they complained about God and they complained about their leader. So watch it, guys. Don't complain about your leaders. And especially don't complain about God. But they had sinned and a judgment came and snakes came into the camp and began to bite the people. See, their their shield had come down because of their sin and disobedience. And these snakes had come in and began to bite them, and they began to die. And they recognized, hey, we've done wrong here. And they came to Moses, and they said, we've done wrong. Pray for us, Moses. Pray for us. Please pray for us. So Moses, the leader of God's people who was compassionate, prayed to the Lord for the people. And the Lord said, take a serpent and put it on a pole. Make a serpent out of brass. Now, brass is a symbol of judgment. And so put this snake on a pole. Maybe you've walked into a doctor's office or a chiropractic office and you've seen this symbol. It's a symbol of healing. Did you know healing is in the gospel? He came to heal us. Amen. Spirit, soul, and body. Praise God. And so Moses created this brass serpent and put it on a pole and put it up in the middle of the congregation. And the Lord said, if they will look upon that serpent, they will be healed. Now I imagine some people said, what in the world is that? Uh, We want some anti-venom. You know, we want an anti-venom treatment. We, you know, it just doesn't make sense to the natural man that looking at a snake on a pole is going to help anybody. But there they are, they're dying, you know, and they said, well, might as well try it. So somebody looked up, and they looked at that snake on a pole, and all of a sudden, I'm healed. Hallelujah. Jesus said, that's like me. 
Just like that snake was lifted up in the middle of the congregation. That's like me. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, never sinned, compares himself to a snake. A symbol of evil, a symbol of sin. Why is that? Because the scripture said that he was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He was made sin for us. Think about it. I mean, think about the awful punishment that he took physically. Some of you have probably seen the, the uh, movie on TV recently and, and uh, you know, seen that, that depiction and so awesome, so gruesome. But yet even more than that, the spiritual, uh, the gruesomeness of the spiritual oppression and sin that came upon Jesus at that moment that he even said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because he took upon him the sins of the whole world. Some of them haven't been committed yet. I mean, there's all of them throughout, you know, throughout this age, all of them were placed upon Jesus on that cross. He became sin for us. And he did it completely. He became sin for us completely so that we could become righteous completely. It's an exchange in the realm of the spirit. How shall these things be? Nicodemus says, this is it. You may not understand it with your natural man because you have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. But this is how it works. Your sins are placed upon Jesus and his righteousness is placed upon you. Hallelujah. The miracle, the miraculous nature, the miracle of the new birth. It's so powerful. It's so miraculous. We become different people than we used to be. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. I'm not the same old person that I used to be, praise God. You know, back in the 70s, uh, my wife and I were vagabond hippies. I was bound up with drugs and alcohol. I was a slave to sin. I was selfish. I was a servant of Satan. Now, when I was nine years old, I was raised in a Baptist church. My mother used to take me to church. My dad was not a church-going man. But when I was nine years old on an Easter Sunday morning, I heard the gospel, and it touched my heart. And it, it was a reality in my life. And I went forward, and I prayed, and then they had me get baptized. And there was a real experience that I had there, but I was not yet born again. You see, you must be born again. It's not just answering an altar call. Now, you can get born again in an altar call, and we'll have one today. Some of you, maybe you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't have the assurance of salvation. Well, you can have that today. You can get born again in an altar call. But I answered altar call, and I wasn't born again. Why? Because I didn't give my life to Jesus. I didn't make him Lord of my life. I wanted him to be my Savior from sin. I didn't want to spend eternity in hell. I recognized the reality of the cross, and I understood it with my mind, but yet my heart was not changed. When you're born again, your heart has changed. You become different than you used to be. So I had that experience when I was nine years old, and I remember the Holy Spirit drew me. 
But yet I did not make that connection to the point where my heart was really open to have Jesus come in there and rule in my heart. So thank God for that experience. Thank God I heard the gospel. But I was not yet born again. So in my high school years, I went, instead of following Jesus, I followed the crowd. I got into a mess. I got into addictions. I went to college, and it was, it was drug time in the USA, you know. And we got into drugs and, and uh, dropping out of society and so on. You know, we were vagabond hippies. But we ended up in southern Minnesota uh, in a town named uh, Spring Grove and uh, met some Christians like you. Like some of you, you're Christians, right? <laughs> you're the light of the world. And some of those lights of the world talked to me about Jesus and what God had done in their life and how they had been delivered from drugs. And they were a lot of young people like us that, uh, you know, had been through the similar background, but they had found Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And one of them kept inviting me to church. And I kind of laughed at him and made fun of him. But finally, him and his wife invited us over to their house. We had dinner with them. They shared their testimony. And as we were leaving, they said, well, you should come and visit our church. Everybody say, thank God for the church. church. Amen. (laughs) So we went to church, and there was an evangelist there. Everybody say, thank God for evangelists. evangelists. And he was preaching the gospel. I didn't really understand what he said, but God touched my life because I saw these people were hungry for God and zealous, and and I saw that they loved one another and they loved God, and God touched my heart, and he began to draw me. Well, it took about three months. God working in my heart, I was still doing the drugs and the alcohol. And, but I, every Sunday we'd go to church and we, you know, we'd hear the word. And so it was, actually for a time it just felt like I was being pulled apart. Because part of me wanted to continue on with the devil and part of me wanted God. But I came to a crisis moment in my life and it was on a Monday morning I had to go back to work and I hated my job. And I was so frustrated and after work I thought, man, I'm going to go get something to drink. Somehow I passed, bypassed the liquor store, went home, and my wife was there, and we got into an argument. And I said, well, let's take a drive, because I thought, I'm going back to the liquor store. Somehow we ended up at the preacher's house. And I began to talk to him, just tell him how I felt on the inside, what was going on. Some of you have some things going on on the inside of you today. God's talking to you about them, because he wants you to have peace. But as we talked and shared, you know, just what was going on, finally the preacher man just reached over and just touched me on the head like this and began to pray, and this, it's like this uh, liquid love <laughs> came all over me, this peace. I said, whoa, that's what I needed. All the tension of the day and all the frustration, it was just like it left. He said, brother, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to be baptized. So we went down to the creek. I said, yes, that's what I need. So I went down to the creek. We were baptized in, in a creek, Beaver Creek in Houston County. And I was baptized. Got in my old pickup truck and came home and began to pray. Seek the Lord. I wanted the Holy Spirit to come in my life. And I'm praying. I'm thinking about my drugs and alcohol, the way I've been living. And I had this thought, well, things are going to be different now. 
I'm just do that just once in a while. I don't want to be weird or strange around my friends, so just, just once in a while. All of a sudden, God spoke to me. I heard this voice inside of me. It was like somebody turned on a radio inside of me. And this is what the Lord said. He said, turn from the things of the world. Uh, how many know what the biblical word repent means? To turn, right? So he says, repent, turn from the things of the world. Well, I knew what he's doing. He's putting his finger on my life. You know, He's saying, I want you to change. I want you to follow me instead of the inclinations of the flesh and what the devil wants you to do. I heard God speak to me, Pastor Bill. God spoke to me. Somebody said, how do you know? I just know. It's got his signature on it. He says just the words, but it says, signed God. <laughs> and I just said, yes, Lord. And right at that instant, I just surrendered my life to the Lord. And all of a sudden, this glory started coming. All over me, the glory of God just came and just filled me. Spiritual gifts started coming. I started speaking in other languages. I started prophesying. Prophesying, sitting in the pickup truck with my wife and, and uh, uh, child, child or children. I'm trying to remember the date. Yeah, it was September, so my son had already been born. Two children. And the first thing, the first thing, the Lord spoke to me. He said, "Precious is the blood of the Lamb, which was shed for you." See, it's by the blood of Jesus. I mean, you could, you could repent for a thousand years in a row. You could repent every day of your life, but without the blood of Jesus, you can't be saved. Without that cross, you can't be saved, see? Precious is the blood of the Lamb, which was shed for you. He spoke to me. And he told me uh, to live a clean life, to follow him. And then he said something interesting. He said, Israel is here. Well, I want you to know, my life has never been the same since then. <laughs> I was completely set free of the drugs and alcohol. In fact, from that day, I have never had a, any kind of drug. I have never had any alcohol except once by accident. And I don't miss it. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> we didn't have to bring that up. I was at a... I was at a church service where they served wine, and so I took communion, and it was, it was wine. And a little jigger of wine, I felt it. <laughs> and I didn't like it. But you see, it's not just drinking and drugs and sinning, the external thing. It's the heart. God changes your heart. You don't want to do those things anyway. You don't want to do, you don't want to displease the Lord. Amen. And, and that goes through your whole life. I spent time with the Lord talking this morning about things in my life and just surrendering afresh in certain areas. And we need to do that because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Amen. And we can walk clean before God and we can be free in Jesus' name. It's so wonderful to be born again. Hallelujah. Nicodemus says, ah, do I have to go into my mother's womb a second time to be born? He's thinking all physical. Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's spirit. We're talking spirit. It's like the wind. 
The wind comes. You can't see the wind, but you can see the results. You couldn't see the Spirit come into my life, but you can see the results. I'm different than I used to be. There's an expression of that life. The life of God literally comes in you. The scripture said you are born of God. You become a child of God. It's not just a positional truth. It's a reality in which the Spirit of God comes into the life of the person and they become a child of God. The scripture said as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become children of God. I'm a child of God. I've got a family. I'm in the family of God. God, the creator of the universe, is my father, my very own daddy. He loves me. I'm in the right family, folks. And I have an inheritance. Everything that Jesus has, I have. You say, oh, you're being boastful now. No, that's what the Bible said. I am joint heirs with Jesus. Everything that Jesus has, he's given unto me. He's my big brother. Hallelujah. And we share in the inheritance of God. So what does that mean? It means I have the wisdom of God. I have the life of God. You know, Proverbs 4 talks about life is in the heart. And that life uh, spreads out through your body. The word of God is life to them that find it and health to all their flesh. The life of God will even give vigor to your physical body. I have an inheritance with God. I have power over the demons. Did you know that we have power over the demons when we're a child of God? Day one. The, The whole process of discipleship is learning what we already have. Sometimes we think, well, I'm going to become educated and become a Christian. Jesus did not say you must be educated. He said you must be born again. Now I'm not putting down education. I'm not putting down discipleship. I'm just drawing a distinction here about a miracle that takes place in a person's life when they open their heart and Jesus Christ and Father God and the Holy Spirit comes into your life. If you love me, keep my commandments and my Father and I will come and we'll take up a residence in you. Hallelujah. The miracle. The miracle of the new birth. Hallelujah. We need to be reminded of it today. We need to acknowledge the fact that only God can change me and make me different. And it's only through his power that I could be this different person. John Wesley says, only the power that makes a world can make a Christian. You know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of miracles. I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen cancer, tumors dissolve, seen the results of it. After we prayed, the tumor was, you know, the size of a golf ball and shriveled. I've seen arthritis healed. I've seen demons cast out. You saw some some of the demonic people, uh, people that were possessed of demons. There was a picture on that video of uh, a young man. Maybe you saw him on there with his family. Two or three years before, my friend that I work with in, in Nepal ministered to that young man. He was curled up in a fetal position, oppressed with demons, possessed with demons. They cast out the spirit. They just laid hands on him, commanded the spirits to go. I don't know if they even saw a manifestation of any change before they left, but they left. You saw the picture of him standing there in his right mind with the family and two kids. That's Jesus. That's my Jesus. Nobody can do the miracles that you do, Nicodemus said, unless God be with them. <laughs> but the thing of it is, he's still doing them. 
because he's the son of God. And through his name, we have victory. I've seen a lot of miracles. But you know what? I think the greatest miracle of all is that God could change a heart, make someone different than they used to be. Amen? Praise God. I was reading, uh, how, many ever, how many have heard of uh, Charles and Francis Hunter? Raise your hand. Now you're, you're dating yourself. The young ones don't know about it. Charles and Francis Hunter were called the Happy Hunters. They had a healing ministry. Now they've gone to be with the Lord. But they had a tremendous ministry back in the 80s, 90s, and so on. Well, for much of a longer period than that, but they were very big in the United States during that time. But I was reading Francis's testimony, and she testified that, that uh, she was smoking five packs of cigarettes a day, she drank like a fish, and she cussed like a sailor. She accepted Jesus into her life as Lord, and all of a sudden that all changed. She said immediately she knew that she wasn't supposed to do those things, that her life was to change. Immediately, it was like God downloaded the knowledge in her. You got to live different now, girl. That's called being born again. Amen? We mentioned John Wesley. John Wesley is interesting because John Wesley was raised in a Christian home. He wanted to serve God. He had a desire to serve God. He became a missionary to America. He's from England. He became a missionary to America. He got on a boat to come to America. And on the way over, the boat is just, it's in a storm, and it's tossing to and fro, and it looked like the ship's going down. And he is shaken in his boots with fear because he didn't know where he was going to spend eternity. And these other missionaries are sitting on the deck singing hymns with great peace. The Moravians, they were also, they were from Europe and they were coming to America. He said, there's something different about those guys. And so John Wesley came to America and he did his missionary work, you know, for a season, but it was just an utter futility and uselessness. So he went back to England and he's sitting in a prayer meeting in a place called Aldersgate. And he talked about how his heart was strangely warmed at that place and he was born again. And John Wesley's life was changed. His heart was changed. Jesus came into his life and became Lord. See, there's a miracle of a new birth. Jesus didn't say you must be religious to go into the kingdom of God. There's a lot of religious people that aren't born again. You must be born again. He didn't say you must be baptized. Oh, thank God for baptism, you know. It's scriptural. We need it. Some people are saved. I was saved on the same day I was baptized. I had actually been baptized two other times before that. See, because if you're, if you're not born again and you get baptized, you go into the water, you know, a dry center, you come up a wet center. <laughs> I mean, hear what I'm saying. Because it's a matter of the heart. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, not just the Savior Jesus, but if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He did not say, uh, you must be confirmed to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Can be. I know there was a lady that I met early in my ministry. 
we were doing Bible studies, and there was a, a lady, uh, I'm remembering a funny story. The first time I ever met her, we were in a Bible study in someone's living room, and I'm giving my study on Ephesians or whatever it was, and everybody's pretty friendly and smiling. This lady's sitting there. She looked like pickled vinegar, man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> but afterwards, I walked over to her, and she said, that was the most wonderful teaching I've ever heard. So don't go by their faces, Pastor Bill, because you've learned that by now. But anyway, we started having a Bible study with this lady, and then she shared her testimony. And she actually had been born again at confirmation because in her confirmation class, they taught the gospel message. And then at the uh, final ceremony or whatever it's called, she made a vow to God. And she knew that when she made that vow and made Jesus Lord of her life, that her heart was changed and she was born again. It was not because of confirmation per se, but God used the confirmation to get her born again. Amen. And would God that he'd do more of that. Amen. You must be born again. There's a man named Saul of Tarsus. He was religious too. In fact, he was a, uh, a religious zealot. And uh, he was going to Damascus. He was from Israel. He was going to Damascus. That's another country. That makes him an international terrorist. He was going to drag Christians into prison and persecute them for preaching Jesus. He was determined that he was doing the will of God. He was so deceived. How many know there's some people in the world just like that today? They got titles like ISIS and, and so on. God loves those people. And on the road to Damascus, he was intercepted by Jesus. And he had a vision of the Lord. And the Lord said, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And on that road to Damascus, Saul said, what would you have me to do? <laughs> I believe that's when he opened his heart to the Lord. You know, that's when he made Jesus Lord. Who are you, Lord? What would you have me to do? How many can see what I'm saying? He made, he, uh, you can see that his heart was willing, his heart was open to change. And God took that international terrorist and made him probably the greatest minister on the face of the earth during that time to spread the gospel all through the Gentile lands. God, can, God is so awesome. God is so awesome. He's so powerful. As talking about miracles, I met someone who was raised from the dead. God does so many powerful miracles. Yet I believe the greatest miracle is that he could change your heart, my heart, make us different than we were before. Praise God. He'll heal your life. He'll heal your family. Yeah, it may not all come at once, but once you're born again, you're in. You're in the family, and he can work with you. You can get help in your church, and you can get help through your pastor, and you can get teaching, and you can grow, and you can get in the Word yourself, and you can grow and mature and develop, and you can learn how to walk in your inheritance, and God will heal your life. God has done so much for me. This year, Susan and I are celebrating uh, the first 45th year, 45 years of our marriage. Praise God. I told her, I think it was today, we, she's got to stick with me for another 45 but praise God, we have a good marriage. You know, back when I was a... <laughs> she's not so sure. I'm, I'm, I'm working on her. 
Uh, it's so good what God does. Now, I'm not so sure about then if she was glad she married me before I came to the Lord, but now I ask her, are you glad you married me? She said, yes. I think she's telling me the truth. <laughs> we have a good marriage. We're, we're blessed. We have a God that loves us. He saved us. He delivered us. He changed us. He made us different. Amen. He gives us the wisdom that we need. We just keep growing. We have all kinds of blessings. We get to go and preach the gospel all around the world. Supernaturally awesome God. I'm in the right family. Amen. I'm born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. And maybe you're here, you know, yeah, I know I had that experience, but I've kind of drifted away. I want you to know today's a good day to just come back and say, hey, I'm on the path. No wavering with this boy or this girl. Amen. Today's the day to find Jesus in your life. Hallelujah. So let's just bow our heads for a moment. Just have a holy moment before the Lord. Why don't you just let God's Holy Spirit just speak to your heart. Thank you, Father, for your precious Holy Spirit. You must be born again. You know, today, you're in church. Thank God. That means you want something from the Lord. But maybe you just don't have that assurance or you never really made that step to say, Jesus, my life belongs to you. If you'd like to make that step today, I'd like to just for you just to ask you just to raise your hand right where you're at to make Jesus your Lord. Would you lift your hand? Okay, I see that hand. Anyone else? I see that hand. Anyone else? Okay, thank you. One other question. Anyone here? Yes, you, you know you made that decision, but you haven't really been walking with him as you should. You want to make that choice today. Would you lift your hand to just to come back to the Lord and be faithful to him? Lift your hand. All right. Praise God. Anyone else? All right. I'd like to ask those of you that raised your hand if you would just come. I'd like to pray. We pray you have been blessed and encouraged by this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. Tom Shanklin Ministries is reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We invite you to become part of this worldwide evangelistic outreach through your prayers and financial support. To request our free monthly newsletter, you can reach Tom Shanklin Ministries at 507-407-HELP. That's 507-407-4357. Visit Tom Shanklin Ministries online at TomShanklin.org or send cards and letters to Tom Shanklin Ministries, P.O. Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota, 56002.